In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Christians, in our first two readings for this evening, St. Paul teaches us how very important the office of the Holy Ministry is. He teaches us how important it is to have faithful overseers in Christ's church. The office of the Holy Ministry is given an enormous task, one that cannot be shirked, ignored, or forgotten. Not by pastors and not by laypersons. The task of the office of the Holy Ministry is to proclaim Christ, to preach Jesus to you, the members of a church in season and out of season, to admonish Christians with tears, telling them what God's Word says, to commend the flock into God's care, to the Word of His grace, to the blessings of His sacraments. The pastor in the office of the Holy Ministry must completely deny himself so that the Word of Christ is all that remains. After all, it is not his flock, it is Christ's flock. One purchased with the precious blood of Jesus. As Paul says, care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. That's a pastor's job. And so a pastor must be able to preach the hard word of God to the flock of Jesus when necessary. The hard word of calling sin, sin, so that it can be repented of and forgiven by Jesus. The pastor cannot change the message based upon the wealth or circumstances of the person in his office. He cannot ignore a portion of God's word because of your self-identity. The law of God must be proclaimed in its full severity. And at the same time, the gospel with its full sweetness. And you, in the flock, must hear this word, even when it hurts, even when you squirm in the pew, even when you don't want to, because your own sin is called to the carpet. You must hear so that you may be forgiven. You must listen to the Word of God, even when it's hard to hear due to heartbreak, sin, and sorrow, and mourning, even with it doesn't match up with your own self-truths. Your soul depends on what God says. A pastor must be present when needed, leaving behind the things he wishes to do to make sure that he is present to preach God's word to his flock. A pastor must be able to speak a word of life even when the stink of death fills a room, even at three in the morning. A pastor must be able to rejoice at marriage, at birth, at confirmation, at baptisms, and even in the Lord's Supper. 
pastor doesn't show up to these events to smile and look good, thank goodness, but instead he comes to be the visible presence of Christ among God's people. He's there to be Christ's ambassador, if you will. And you as people are to invite the pastor to these events, good or happy, bad and sad. Why? So that he can bring God's word to you at these times of need, when there's a surgery, when there's a baby born, when there's a death occurring, or a marriage to celebrate. God has given word for these events. The pastor merely proclaims it. And at those events, a pastor ought to dress in a way that identifies him as one who is there for the purpose of preaching God's word. Just as a police officer's uniform tells us he's there to enforce the law, and a firefighter's helmet tells us he's there to put out the flames, a pastor dresses to inform people that he's there for a specific purpose. God's word, law, gospel. He's not there to be your buddy or your friend even if he is your buddy or friend. He's not there to mooch off of you and eat the extra dessert that you prepared. He's there to bring God's word. So he dresses to identify himself thusly. He ought to be recognized as one who works for God not for himself. And Paul tells Titus that pastors ought to be ordained wherever there are Christians to carry out the tasks at hand in Christ's church. People don't become pastors willy-nilly or just because they have some feeling that they ought to serve in the church. God is a God of order. And so there are strict requirements for entering the office of the holy ministry and for remaining therein. He says this about pastors in the office. You can see it in your bulletin. Pastors are to be above reproach. That means they're not withholding sins from Christ, but instead confess them and are absolved so that those sins might not take them away from their task of preaching God's word. Paul goes on and says, they must be husband of one wife and his children must be believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. That means his family must be in good order so that he may devote himself to the task of preaching the word. That important task that often impedes upon family time. Paul goes on. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. 
He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. This means that a pastor is not to have any quirks that come between you and God. Nothing that can distract you from hearing the word of God, whether that be mental, physical, or even familial. A pastor's here to bring you God and his word, not to advertise himself or distract you with what's going on. God's word is more important than the man. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, Paul says, so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. This means he must be bold about one thing and one thing alone, God's word in its truth and purity. When the word is upheld, the pastor is to rejoice. When the word is spoken against, the pastor is to correct and rebuke. And so Paul says in his goodbye sermon to the Ephesians, recorded for us in the book of Acts, Pay careful attention to yourself and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer to care for the church, the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Dear Christians, these high and weighty responsibilities are given to pastors and pastors are expected to maintain these expectations as best as humanly possible. And when they fall short, to confess, to be absolved, and to seek to do better in the future. This is how Paul sees the office of the holy ministry. This is how God delivers it to us in his word. This is what we focus on as we celebrate the feast of Titus. Why? Why must we learn this? Why must we have midweek sermons two weeks in a row on this very topic? Why does this matter to you sitting out there in the pew? Why do we have to hear these words if we're not all pastors? Why does so much of God's word teach us what pastors are to do? Why does all this information matter to the average congregant of the church of God? especially in this day with all the modern church policies and politics going on. Why does God tell us so much about pastors? Why do we have them at all? 
Can't everyone be a minister? Why do we even remove them from office at times? Paul tells us the answer to that question in our text for this evening as well, dear Christians. He says that pastors, the office that they hold, that is, are here for your sake. For you. God ordains pastors for you. God sets these strict requirements for your sake. Paul says it this way, it is for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life. All of these requirements that Paul talks about in Scripture, these requirements are for you. God wants your salvation, so he wants the man preaching the word to you to be upright, above reproach, to not distract you from the word, to not lead you astray from it, to be ready to speak it at all times and in all places, to be faithful to it, so that you might be saved. God wants you in heaven, so we must have pastors above reproach. It's for your sake, your good, your salvation. God bought you with the blood of Jesus Christ, and he wants you to know. God killed his own son on the cross for you, raising him from the dead to signify that you will live forever. And he wants you to hear that, the office of pastor exists because of God's great love for you so that he might give his gifts to you. You are so valuable to God that there was no price too high to pay for your salvation, not even the death of his son upon the cross. God wants this message to ring out from upright men, husbands of one wife, people above reproach, so that the man standing up here won't take you away from what God has in store. God gives you pastors for the sake of bringing his word to you, that you may hear it and believe it. God holds pastors to a high standard, yes, so that we're not a stumbling block to your faith. God sets pastors apart so that in your time of need, you might understand why he's around, why he dresses so funny, why he always seems to talk theology instead of football, fishing, hunting. God sends pastors to bring you the word 
when you're excited with joy at new children, at marriage, and when you weep at death and sickness. God sends pastors to baptize, to administer the supper so that you can receive forgiveness of sins. God sends pastors so that you might always have your eyes fixed on Jesus, who died and rose for you. Dear Christians, hold your pastors to the high standards of God's word, so that none of my foibles or oddities or weirdnesses distract you from the word so that I can fade into the background and your worship can focus solely on God. Trust God for your salvation as we tell you that week in and week out. Know that your pastor's not here for his sake but for yours to bring you God's gifts. And knowing that, care for your pastors, support them, love them, cherish them, also for Christ's sake. When they fall short, and they will, forgive them and encourage them to succeed. Pray for them. Ask them if they have the support necessary to uphold God's high standards for them in this holy office. And when we're not up to the task, either unable or unwilling to do what God demands, welcome us back into the church. Love us. Care for us. Just as Christ does for you. This is what Paul teaches Titus in our reading for this evening. This is what Paul preaches shortly before he's arrested, thrown in prison, and eventually executed. This is what Paul tells the church, because it's what God tells the church. Trust in Jesus. Listen to the word he speaks. Receive the gifts he gives. Look to him and him alone for your salvation. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.